Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this is awesome. This is a big one. Georgia Hardstark is here. That's right from my favorite murder. And we talk, we talk about punk. This is a, this is a really, this is a really uh, awesome episode. I can't wait for you to hear more on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. I love you, buddy. Thank you for all the hard work you do. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is just by telling people about it, telling everyone you know about it, letting them know that we do this thing here. Or you can subscribe to it and rate it on, on the platform you listen to it on. Uh, or head over to patreon.com slash turned out of punk. And thank you, thank you to everyone that does do that over there and check out uh, some of the fun stuff that goes on over in that world. Like there's the footnotes and things like that, you know, check it out, check it out. Uh, you can also uh, yeah, just just be here. You know, check out each episode. That, that's that's how you support the thing. You know, maybe there's a guest you haven't heard of. Check it out. You know, I promise you, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not here to waste anyone's time. Uh, but speaking of support, this thing would not be possible with the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, do what you do, but just don't do it out of your own pocket. So uh, they have been great. And I really thank them for believing in this, this show. Because like... You know, compared to my guests this week, this is a really small podcast in the grand scheme of things. And uh, yeah, they believe in it. So thank you to them for that. All right. Uh, oh, and also check over at floodmagazine.com for Punk as Fuck episodes of me wandering around Los Angeles a few years ago, just just talking about punk rock. And in one of the latest ones, I go to Brian Ray Turcott's house. And if you haven't seen this video yet, Brian Ray Turcott has the greatest punk collection on earth. Like, like, like museum level. Like this is, it's wild. Like you got to watch this video. There's so much cool stuff to see. I still, I still like, uh, you know, someone asked me the other day about something I saw there and I had to go back and rewatch the video. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I saw that there. Anyway, watch that video. Uh, also I say this at the end of the show, but I'm going to move it up to the front because some people have been asking me about it. Check out oil and flowers. It's a cannabis podcast I do with myself and my buddy, DJ Buddha blaze. Uh, it's been moved to its own channel. Like if you used to listen to it on turn it a punk stream, uh, you can now find it on its own channel on all the places you listen to podcasts, but yeah, check that out. Um, I'm trying to think of other things, other things that I, there's something else I needed to tell you about. Oh yeah. <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I'm playing this band. It's called fucked up. We put out this new song called you're the horse. It's going to be very long by the time the whole thing's out. You can check out the two parts that are out right now. Uh, I'm really, I, I love this thing. You know, I think it, it's my own band, but you know, I don't always love it. So, but this one I'm, I'm pretty proud of to be involved with. And so, uh, check that out. All right. On to today's show today on the show, Georgia Hardstark is here. Now, if you are a fan of podcasts, you definitely know my next guest because her and her co-host partner in crime, <laughs> given the podcast, Karen Kilgariff started this thing a few years ago and it, it blew up. This is one of the most popular podcasts going period. So to hear from Georgia that she's a punk fan and is into this show, we had to invite her on this thing. And it's amazing, like talking to her to see how much of what she does is informed by punk rock. And, and of course it is, you know, like they've built their own little, sub, little, little <laughs> big <laughs> subsect of this, this 
podcast thing and, and through their fans, the murderinos and, and this kind of, you know, kind of uh, feverish fan base, they they really kind of kicked off this true crime podcast boom that we're in the midst of. And it, it just, it proves the thesis once again, that it all somehow weirdly ties back to punk rock in some way, you know? So anyway, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Georgia Hardstark on Turned Out a Punk. Georgia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited well, to be here. I, well, as I was just telling you off air, it's it's incredible to have you here because uh, I don't think there's been a guest that my wife and I have been as collectively excited for as you. We were just folding laundry, listening to you upstairs oh before God. I came down here. I know it's 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 kind of surreal. Well, it's kind of surreal for me, you know. So uh, it's it's a thrill to have you. Here. Well, <laughs> yeah. then I guess it's surreal on both ends. Love it. Uh, well, I got to start this off though the way they all start off, which is. Georgia, how did you get into punk? Yeah, I mean, it started, it kind of started like, so I grew up in Orange County in Irvine. So it was super suburbia. There wasn't a lot of anything to listen to, but like Kiss FM and the radio. Um, and my brother was kind of, older brother was kind of this like computer dork and a little bit of an outcast. And I'm like, I didn't, I, he was my just nerdy older brother. I didn't realize at the time how cool he was because he started getting into like Guar, and this is the early nineties. He started getting into Guar and Primus. Okay. Um, but also like Mud Honey. And um, one day he like called me into his room. We were kind of bonding over music and cigarettes and pot. And he, <laughs> um, he played Ween's Pure Guava for me. And so that was my, it wasn't, it's not punk, but I remember both of us were just like silently looking at the radio being like, what the fuck is this? This is the coolest thing ever. Um, but he also was into like, I don't know if he was into Black Flag or just had that one shirt where the cop has the gun in his mouth. Oh, the one where he's it's, like filleting the gun? Yeah. And he wore, <laughs> I remember he wore it to high school and got sent home. <laughs> and this is like, this is fucking wasp territory where I'm from. So they were very scandalized by it. Um, so that's what he was like. So I kind of, he was also into like mud honey. Um, and I had kind of gotten into like Jane's addiction and I was hanging out in seventh grade with some of the like, um, other like delinquent girls. And one of them had a boyfriend who was a little older and he was into punk and he was in this, like, I mean, like they were like gutter punks, mohawks and all this stuff. And they had this terrible band called the iniquity but we thought it was so cool <laughs> and so we'd go to their like you know their practice space and hang out and take acid and listen to them jam but they were into like this is when I really got into the good shit you know they were into like circle jerks and misfits and and all the all the good stuff you uh, know some crusties have really good taste yeah you know like the, the, the good punk but terrible Terrible people. Yeah, I later, sometimes. you know, scum, scumbags. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I think you're you're right on that one. Uh, sadly, there there tends to be. Uh, I don't know. No, yeah, and I did. You know, I I was have been kind of a nerd and an outcast and very different from the people I grew up with. And so, finding the music itself was just like it, I, my teenage angst was just like, oh shit, like this is different. 
And I loved it. And it was also kind of a way to like set myself apart from the younger girl, like, you know, awkward girl I was and like kind of, you know, I pierced my eyebrow before school one day and like kind of an in your face <laughs> to the popular girls of like, stay the fuck away from me now. So it, it gave me the self-esteem boost that I had, had not had before. It's, so that was really rad. Yeah, it's definitely something that when you find it, it's just gives you this inner confidence that you're finally proud to be an outcast yeah. for the first time. Yeah, I didn't want new clothes, the new clothes yeah. that they wore. Yeah. I didn't want to look like they looked anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like I felt the the totally the same way. Like I very much felt like an outcast. And then for the first time when I got into punk rock, it's like, well, well, fuck them. I didn't want to go to that party anyway. Those people suck. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, it was a lot of, um, in, in Irvine, where I'm from, there was a lot of hippie jocks. Like, that was the thing. So it, my sister had this high school boyfriend who was just a total, also a scumbag, but a hippie jock scumbag, you know? And, like, he uh, he definitely did not like that I was getting into punk, but it was, you know, he tried to get me, like, cassettes of Led Zeppelin and shit, and I wasn't having it, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it was like, you know, bad brains and, um, DRI and that sort of thing and hanging out with these in the, in the, you know, LA river drinking forties. And it was, it was exciting. I mean, it was exciting. I've always heard that like bands like Pennywise and no effects, like it was, it was quasi mainstream there. Like they got so huge in Southern California and Orange It County. definitely did. It kind of, it wasn't what we. I think we're a little like a little anti that. Okay, little, yeah. You know, I never got into Pennywise, and I really didn't even get into like social distortion until later. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Orange Countyness of it all was a big turnoff to me. I I really don't like Orange County. <laughs> um, apologies to your listeners who live there, but you know, because there was a big skinhead faction too at the time. And in fact, the first show that I ever went to, it was in 1993 and I was 13 and it was the Vandals who were my favorite band at the time. And my poor sweet dad like agreed to drive my friend and I there in his like minivan. And it was in like Fullerton, which was not a great place at the time. This place called the Ice House. And we made him do the whole fucking drive down the block and drop us off. It was like in the middle of warehouses <laughs> at night, his little 13 year old girl, um, poor guy. And he of course like sat outside and waited for us. And then I can't remember who was opening. It was like, it must've been like face to face or unwritten law or something, but I was over the vandals. And uh, my first show, the, the opening bands play, uh, the Vandals gets three songs in fucking pit. I was loving it. It was so exciting. My friend and I went around in the pit a couple of times. It was just very exciting. And then they had to shut the whole fucking place down because these, these skinheads had stabbed a dude in the pit for wearing a fucking Jimi Hendrix shirt. Like that's what, that's what it was like in Orange County in the nineties. I don't know what it's like now. I've been there in 20 years, but well, it was like, yeah. You're not the first person to come on here and talk about the violence and punk shows in Orange County. Like, it's almost kind of storied for the violence that happened at punk shows there. Like, it, it's famous for ruining L.A. punk, right? Yeah. Like, that's the that's what you always hear. And people have come on the show and confirmed it 
even people from Orange County to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah. Like I've been there, but only really in and out, you know, playing some shows and, and things like that. But uh, right. it's super conservative for California, right? It is super conservative. Wasps, you know, suburbia. I watched suburbia as a kid and I was like, yep, that's exactly what it's like. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's it's very conservative. And, you know, I think I'm Jewish. We and in Irvine, it was not, no one was, we had to have temple at in a um, Christian or a Catholic church because there was not enough of us to, <laughs> to open a synagogue. Um, and they, you know, every, my parents were divorced. No one's parents were divorced. We didn't have a lot of money, which was not normal. It was just, if you were a little bit different in any way, um, you know, you were, you were an outcast and I think undiagnosed learning disabilities. And so you didn't fit into the school system and there wasn't really anyone paying attention to that. And I think that that's kind of what I love too about the punk scene, this little punk scene I was in. It was every single one of us had some, you know, we were all latchkey kids. We all had, you know, issues with our parents and, and life. And it was almost like you suddenly found your people. And so for as many like scumbags as there were, there were also a lot of, you know, really great influential people in my life and friends that I was able to have. But that said, I think, you know, I listen to a lot of your episodes, obviously, and I identify with certain, like, like Bill Hader has a similar beginning story to mine. But in a way, it's like, well, as a woman, it's a, it's a bit of a different, the, like the, um, the price of entry is a little different. And so I have, and then because of this, you know, negative negativity, there's, like, I started doing math with them at 13. Holy shit. And so, so it's like, you know, there's that, I kind of had had a lot, it's taken me a while to, to understand that the music and the personality and the ethos is like what meant so much to me and let go of a lot of the like animosity I have. Cause it wasn't, you know, it was me. I had a low self-esteem. I thought that that's all I was worth. And it is, you know, the price of entry, it felt like as a kid. Well, uh, first of all, I'm really sorry you had to go through that because you're you're right like it's a it's this wonderful thing but it's definitely a place where predators can hide yeah. because there's this peter pan quality to it where you you have situations where there are there are like 40 year olds hanging out with teenagers <laughs> and it could be innocent you know totally but uh, but it's also not a lot of times and a lot of sinister stuff can happen and right as a parent now i look at my kids and i think Oh, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. I, I can't believe like I have an 11 year old in two years. I'd be sending him out to go to totally. a show. I mean, imagine my, my dad, we come home, we come to the van early to leave and we're like, well, someone got stabbed. Yeah. So we have to go. I mean, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I, I do look at like, I thought I was like grown up and older for my age. And that's why I was into this. And I look at 13 year old girls and I know you have a, like 11 year old daughter. And I'm like, that is a young child i i didn't realize it at the time that those i was a kid you know yeah so but i mean i'm not i'm not blaming or dwelling and it really it punk changed my fucking life and who i am and i don't think i would be who i am and without it or and you know starting this podcast just to say fuck it in a like let's just try something kind of way is this is the same personality yeah and, and you totally did it you know you built your own lane you know you diy yeah. build something from nothing yeah well it's like you have to just do it on your own and you have to make a fucking zine and pass it out and start a band and um 
yeah so i uh let's see what what brought you to the vandals because you mentioned being at the show for them like where did you first hear that band because they're not on the radio or anything well i another another way i got onto punk is that this kid moved into my little neighborhood that i lived in and he his name was christian and he was a goth but he was an ex-punk and he was like i don't want this anymore i'm in the goth now he can have all my uh punk cassettes <laughs> so he just gave me like five or six you know um like re recorded you know not it was just uh what are they called like mixed cassettes of the bands that he had been into before he was God. <laughs> so, so on that is where I found Dead Kennedys, which to this day I credit for a lot of my personality, Jello the Opera. And I just saw you're about to have him on again. And I was just listening to his old episode where his cat is meowing in the background the whole fucking time, <laughs> which really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, uh, that was the cat of the place he was staying, and and oh, it was driving him nuts. He, he warned me before we went on air. He's like, the cat will be meowing throughout this whole thing, and <laughs> it touched my heart. It made him even more endearing to me because I'm a fucking cat person. Well, well, you might actually um, hear hear my cat meowing because he's taken on this new habit of just screaming. Oh yeah, I had a Siamese. That's what they did, right? It's Ugh. like they scream. Um, yeah, that was great. He, I mean, and then I, so well, my first record that I bought on my own was Ed Kennedy's. There was this record store in Huntington Beach. It's still there called Vinyl Solution. Um, and then there was another one called Noise, Noise, Noise. And those were like the two record stores that you could just like go pick something out and it'd be great or ask the you know store clerks for what I like this. What else should I listen to? Um, what? So I got Ed Kennedy's, yeah. Oh. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. What music were you into prior to being into punk? Like what other stuff do you, uh, you know, of course, Nirvana, it's the nineties and Jane's addiction. Um, but it was really the radio. There was, um, pirate radio was a thing here in Southern California that played a lot of alternative and, um, but really other than that, it was just like, right. I didn't know anything. It was, it was, I was a kid. It was radio, you know, and then maybe what my brother was listening to. And then, you know, my sister's hippie jock boyfriend <laughs> who later died of a heroin overdose, wow. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not much, really. Well, after the Dead Kennedys record, where'd you go? Like, where, where'd you kind of take it? Um, let's see. From the, oh, you know what I found also was Rodney on the Rock. Oh, yeah. And the three volumes that he put out that I still own from when I bought them as a kid. They are so fucking good. And then from there, like he had Agent Orange and Minutemen and um, like Channel 3. I took notes because I have OCD. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're not the first person to show up on this podcast with notes. Okay. Um, there's been quite a few. And actually, I, I just started taking notes myself right. and using them. Uh, okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd never really done it before. And, uh, awesome. You got to be prepared. Well, yeah. Being in the middle of the interviews, just self sabotaging myself, having not prepared for it. But I think, you know, you, you talk about this on the show, but like mental health stuff yeah. is, is huge. You know, the anxiety. And, yeah. uh, I would just, I don't know. I would just get too anxious and excited for the interview. I just couldn't prepare. Totally. I'm the opposite where it's like, if I don't put the notes down for like the two weeks leading up to it, that's all I'll think about. So if I take the notes down and I can just put it out of my head and like add to it as I need to. Um, 
Yeah, it's nice. Well, that's a way healthier way of dealing <laughs> it with it than just my living in the anxiety. Right. Well, my therapist just told me that procrastination is actually, it gives you a little bit of a high. Uh-huh. And so it's actually addictive. So I oh. would definitely fight that. Yeah, for I sure. Can, I, then I, I think, yeah, I definitely can see that. <laughs> totally. I feel, I feel totally addicted <laughs> to that. Um, but on to the other thing I can't seem to give up. Um, uh, records, Vinyl Solution is such an incredible record store. Yeah. Like I, I remember going out there for the first time and picking up a bunch of records on the first fucked up tour and it, nice, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those places, but and I think it the fact that you have that place and another great record store there speaks to the fact that you know punk is just so much a part of the culture. And I know, I, right? I, I, we tend to idealize it when we're not from there, but you know, at the same time, like it feels like it must have been everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I, I definitely got a good um, a good experience in it because it was so readily available for me and even in Irvine of all fucking places it, of like manicured lawns and you know everything is regulated there is still a little subgroup of those people so what was the next show you went to after the you know stabbing at the vandals oh, God. <laughs> I went I went there one more time and then they closed it down I think I saw gutter mouth oh, there oh wow that must have been nuts as well I can yeah remember. oh yeah um, and then I didn't go to a ton more shows just because, you know, house parties and stuff like that, just because I was so young. Um, but yeah, it but, wasn't until later. Well, cause you're like 13 at these shows. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Wild. I can't believe it. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and then, then I went into rehab. Oh shit. <laughs> and so I spent my 14th birthday in rehab. Um, and then I eventually got clean and. In rehab, I met like my first real boyfriend who was a fucking total metalhead Hessian dude. And so I was like, ooh, but like Slayer was one of our, with our song. Slayer's song. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a middle ground, right? Yes. It's kind of punky, Slayer's cool. Yeah. And we kind of tried to get each other into the other person's music and it didn't really work. Um, was it a drug heavy scene? Uh, like, um, or like, you know, was there a lot of kids using drugs or was it just, you know, the wrong crowd that you kind of wind up falling in with? I think I fell in with that crowd at the time. There was just a lot of, um, I think the early nineties in Orange County was really readily available. I can't believe how easy it was for me as a 13 year old to get meth. Like wow. it was, it was easy. Yeah. And then there was acid and, you know, alcohol and that sort of thing. So that it felt like that's what that the scene I was in was doing. Um, and then I loved it. I mean, unfortunately, it's, you know, it helped me come out of my shell and I felt like I couldn't be myself without it. Um, and eventually I just, I kind of looked around at the people I was hanging out with and I had started to get a little more confident in myself. And I had started reading a lot of Ray Bradbury and uh, Kurt Vonnegut and like just kind of started to want to stay home and read, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I just, I quit on my own and then fell into this relationship with this guy from rehab. His name was Chris Pratt, actually. And he later died in a car accident. There's a lot oh of God. like death. So sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of went into that relationship for a, a while. And then, I don't know if, did you ever hear about Pooh's Cafe? It was in Santa Ana. 
Yeah, no, it definitely. It's like kind of a well-known venue. It's definitely come up on the show before. I think it's come up a few times. Actually. Yeah, I found that in high school, and it was just the coolest venue. It was at it was in Santa Ana, not kind of a not great area. It was this dilapidated craftsman house, tiny craftsman house <laughs> with a rad lawn. And they had just cleared all the furniture out and the band would play in the like family room essentially. And everyone would just stand around and watch and they'd go drink on the lawn and hang out. And it was, it was just so many good bands came through there. And it's also where I found um, like the riot girl scene. And that did wonders for my self-esteem and learning about feminism and um, just kind of, changing my understanding of what it meant to be a woman in the scene so that was really pretty amazing yeah that's like the best part of the 90s is seeing that kind of politics made real you know like punk had always been political and lyrics but you know watching in the 90s and you have you know the the rise of all these things and the rise of the sort of like actual sort of practical politic not just on the the lyric sheet anymore like the rise of zine culture yeah and, and like queer core and uh riot girl and uh sister girl riots and, and all this kind of stuff like it, it was such a special totally time. and i mean dead kennedy's and like i gotten like jello the offer spoken word and stuff like that and i'd always really been into history so i i, I love the angry yelly punk stuff so much of course but then Jello the Offer, like just listening to Dead Kennedys, and I was like, what does that mean? What happened there? I need, to, and I would just go get, you know, there was no internet. I would just go get like a um, encyclopedia. Encyclopedia, thank you, that thing, that <laughs> yeah. old thing. Yeah. And like look and ask my mom, like, what's a Biafra? And like, what's Keybone Factor? Like, I just, I wanted to learn and what actually, what's, you know, why is Reagan such a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then, yeah, learning, you kind of understood that you could learn stuff from what you were listening to as well. As well. Have you ever seen that clip of him on Oprah? No. <laughs> Are you oh, serious? It is amazing. It's <sighs> him in Ice Tea, and it's during the height of the PMRC thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, they are on Oprah. And uh, it's it's amazing to watch. It's got to be one of my all time favorite YouTube. Oh my watches. god! It it's uh, he's debating Timber Gore's there as well. I love it. I love him. Actually, not that long ago, when I first started the podcast about true crime, you know, I um, I got asked to be on like a panel with this like it was like talking about like some you know there was like the post there was a documentary about OJ and they wanted us to like discuss it and then get our feelings but it was like a you know a prosecuting attorney and it's and a detective and a forensic scientist and so I was like the internet girl who was an armchair detective so I was already and like I felt all you know they all had business suits on and shit so I and I had like a cute vintage dress on and I just felt totally unqualified and nervous and I couldn't speak the whole time even though everything they were saying I was like I know what they're talking about and so I went I I hated it. I went home that night and Vince and I went and had a drink and I was like, I don't want to go back tomorrow. I fucking hate this. And he, he pep, gave me this pep talk and then he was like, you're Jello Biafra. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm fucking Jello Biafra. And I went back the next day and like put on my Doc Martens and, a, and jeans and it was just like, you could fucking do this, like channeled him in a way. That, and I, then they were suddenly like, who's this girl who knows all about fucking DNA? It, should, it was it's so I'm like as an adult I'm fucking 40 and I still use it as a you know and punk as a way to like live my life oh that is awesome yeah 
I've never heard of, of, of like channeling your inner Biafra. Like, you know, we talk about the little Ian Mackay that sits on your shoulder on the podcast sometimes. And, but like the, the, the Biafra is like this other thing, you know, like it's, it's the uh, ability to just let your freak flag fly. Yeah. And be outspoken and like not afraid to have a different opinion than everyone because everyone's just been fed the same fucking shit their whole lives and don't question it at all. And, you know, why not stir some shit up? It's it's wild when you look at the place Jello Biafra has in history, you know, like here's this guy who, who like, he went toe to toe with Congress, you know, like people, <laughs> like he, he's the reason weed is legal in Canada right yeah. now. Like he's, he's this guy who I think people, <laughs> people underestimate him culturally these days in a weird way. You know, he's a really Absolutely. Important. Absolutely. And I, I, oh my God, what, like. He, I saw him when I lived in San Francisco, there was this bar called Edinburgh Castle. And it was like, I saw him hanging out out front one night and it was the most starstruck I've ever been. And I just like, <laughs> couldn't get up the nerve to be like, hey, they, you know, when I was 13, you really changed my life. <laughs> Unfortunately, I could have, but I just don't think I could, I couldn't handle it. Well, next time you just gotta, you gotta do it. Okay, right? I know, I will next time, yeah. Because he is, he is a amazing person to talk to. It's like, it's like opening up a peanut brittle can full of conversation, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, oh my like, gosh. What, what did I do? Yeah, there's a um, lot of conversation. I actually did go to Ian McKay's house though, the, uh, the Discord house. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you did that yeah, tour? Yeah, from oh. him. That's incredible. Vince and I, we were on tour for my favorite murder and we were in DC and like Vince had known that. And by the way, so my husband, Vince, um, aside from being into punk and everything, he's also does the, we watch wrestling podcast. Oh, absolutely. A fantastic podcast. And I think we actually geeked together one time. We did the, uh, suburban fight show. I I did some ring announcing. They did commentary. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun, but are you into wrestling at all? No, it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's better than football. No, I I love it. Actually, when we were first dating, he like three dates in and we were like really into each other. He was like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, oh, fuck, what's it going to be? And he was like, I'm really into professional wrestling. And I was like, oh, I can handle that. That's fine. But he was definitely like, where? I mean, I, it's really fun. I love it. I love the old shit. I love how passionate he is about it. But yeah, I get it. It's just, just, just not your thing. In the same way, he's not into watching murder shows constantly with me. <laughs> yeah, I get that know? too. I very much get that too. But there, there is sadly a lot of middle ground though, because unfortunately there is a lot of true crime that happens. Oh man, I, I did the um, what's his name story. The Chris um, Benoit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah, really heavy, heavy story. Um, in punk rock too, sadly, you know, as well, like there's, uh, yeah. we were, uh, a couple weeks ago, Vanessa from the band Pylon was on the show and she mentioned uh-huh. this band, the restraints and I'd never heard of them. So I, you know, look them up and stuff and she's like, oh, they, they kind of have a bad reputation. And then I look at the vids, the videos of this band and the, the lead singer is he's got like a, a gun on stage. <laughs> Not a gimmick. No, no, he's got like this loaded gun uh, that he's waving around the whole time that they're playing. And, uh, you know, researching it, I see that he's like, you know, uh, shot his girlfriend. You know, he tried to shoot his girlfriend and he claimed it was an accident. Yeah. They went to his house. Yeah. They found all this reactionary punk stuff there. And they, they charged him with committing a hate crime. And he died of diabetes uh, three years later, I believe, in prison. Wow. It's, it, yeah, really, really horrendous story. That's something else. I guess, yeah, who'd have thought the guy who carries a gun on stage was actually going to 
use a gun. <laughs> I'll yeah. stay. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, well, as, as, as you know, as you were saying earlier, as we were talking about earlier, like it is a place where punk rock, I mean, there were sometimes bad people can hide. Totally. And totally. And there, music. yeah, there is like that bad element and I do like resent it a lot and kind of, you know, of course I'm not in contact with any of those people anymore. Um, but it is this like, I want to go back. Like a lot of my work in therapy is like, go back and like give that girl a voice, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and not to like hate myself for what I put myself through, but into all, you know, I guess. Well, yeah, th this podcast, um, you know, we, we tend to put rose colored glasses on when looking at punk rock mm -hmm. history and, and really, you know, bigging it up all the time. But as you, as you've talked about here, it's, it's a place that, you know, as, as much as the great mm -hmm. stuff that it has with it also has like a lot of, a lot of terrible yeah. shit that, that happens within it, you know, or, or happens, I don't know, not necessarily because of it, but as a result of people totally yeah know, getting mixed up yeah all. i think that's why i wanted to come on too is like it's like it wasn't you know it wasn't a positive no i'm using bill Hader as an example but he seems like a very fine young man um <laughs> you know of the like you're accepted into the group automatically you know it's like that i and it definitely feels like a time and a place so i know not everyone has these experiences but this kind of um, you know, it's the hold, hold my jacket type of, type of thing that I guess I resent probably a lot. It, it's also like real luck of the draw who winds up bringing you in. Yeah. You know, cause like it, yeah. to see what like little subsect of punk rock you wind up in, it really depends on, you know, the, the peer group you find yourself with or the people around you. And I, I found like on the show. Uh, people that have been on like that's that's such a huge part of it you know and, totally and there are more positive elements in punk rock and more positive like sub scenes you know and so i guess going back to the journey when you when you found that scene in santa right. barbara santa barbara santa Ana, sorry the more positive scene i'm talking about was that santa Ana? Oh, that was in santa Ana, but yeah so, yeah in orange county so. oh, yeah sorry when you found that santa yeah. Ana scene what were like some of the bands that were kind of coming through there um let's see like well one of my favorites still is karate you know karate oh absolutely love yeah. them but then there was yes yeah, fucking good um, I don't really remember exactly who was coming out at the time, but the bands I was listening to were like, um, Operation Ivy. I just was obsessed with and, um, some humans too. I got really into, um, TSOL and, uh, but there was a lot of like, it was kind of like the getting into the late nineties. So the hardcore scene was coming up there. The hardcore straight edge scene was coming up as well. So a lot of that kind of thing. I mean, it's so foggy. I wish I still had the, um, the flyers that they had from that place, but it was it was a lot of really cool, really exciting. Like you just go one random night, whatever night you were free or got the car, you just go and it would always just be a scene and great music and, you know, touring bands. It's, you know, you brought the hardcore stuff there and at a certain point, you know, like hardcore kind of takes over, it would seem, you know, like bands like Strife become like the, the biggest band. Mm -hmm. it's like the Epifat era ends and the the hardcore era cometh or something. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Strife because when I did move to LA 
1998, like the minute I graduated high school, I was like, fuck this place. Um, and moved to LA. They like, they were the first people I like made friends with in LA. I came here really not knowing anyone. I just needed to leave Orange County. Um, and they, and I like met one of them at like headline records or something like that. And like, just started hanging out with, I'm sure they don't even remember it was this, this kid, but, uh, yeah, they were like my first friends, Andrew and oh, wow. Andrew and Rick Rodney. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went on this like weird all ages tour thing with, uh, Rick a couple of years ago. Um, oh, wow. it, yeah, it was awesome. It was like super fun, but I gotta say, I was I was just kind of starstruck. Yeah, you know, like they they were the band in the nineties. Yeah, they're so. I mean, they're so powerful and incredible. Um, let's see, wait. But then at that point, in, in like my twenties, then it was like getting into like the pavement and um, and like uh, Jawbreaker and Elliot Smith and um, Modest Mouse and, and that sort of thing. So I'd go to a lot of shows here in LA at the Troubadour and, you know, um, Murder City Devils was always a really fun show to go to. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, but the, the show, like shows, it like almost didn't matter who was playing this was a band you loved. Cause it was just this like, that's where you socialized and there wasn't any other, you know, it was the record store and, and shows and that's and maybe like comic book stores. What were some of the like local bands you were into around that time? Cause it feels like that's the time when LA really starts popping off again. There's like that, the smell scene, yeah. like, you know, other stuff that's happening in other parts of the city and, and other suburbs around then. Like it really feels like it's a, a real vibrant time yeah. for, for music again in that city. Yeah. I'm trying to think my brain is so foggy. I know like the rapture was a bit, they're not from here, but that was a band that I always loved so much. Fuck, who did I like? Name other bands so I can remember. I guess Black Rebel, Rebel Motorcycle yeah. Club. There was, so at the drive-in was like one of my favorites. It's some dude I was dating in like 97, put them on a mixtape for me. <laughs> and oh, all right, Pete, it mixtapes, right? Definitely. And um, I saw their first show in California. I think it was called Chain Reaction. Yeah, yeah, big old ages. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was there's nobody there. And then like I, I <laughs> kind of followed them around, you know, in LA and kept going and love, love, love them. And then, then they, yeah, then I couldn't get. Then it was sold out, and I couldn't get tickets. And you know, and that was a time when I, I had to. There was no, you couldn't get tickets online, or if you could, uh, of course, the price is so it was like too much for me to pay. So I'd go to this like window on Hollywood and Vine drive all the way across town to like so I could pay cash <laughs> yeah. and not have to pay the fees and yeah and then I got my fake ID taken away at the Troubadour <laughs> so that was kind of it for me and then I moved to San Francisco and like kind of stopped stopped I don't know why like stopped going to shows as much I saw um let's see I saw Jets to Brazil and, oh, of Montreal. I saw them up there who are like, I love them so much. Um, yeah, and then actually like when Vince and I met, that that was kind of what we bonded over in a way. Like we were, but we're both in like the comedy scene here in LA. So there's not a lot of, it just seems like not a ton of people who grew up with music. As like as we did, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I remember walking into our friend's birthday party at this bar, and I see this like fucking tall dude, shaved head. He had his red Perry on, and had that like. There's just this posture of you dudes in who were into hardcore, <laughs> and immediately I was like, "What's up? That's the dude." 
and he doesn't remember the meaningful eye contact we had, but <laughs> he came over and then we, I, I don't know how it just, we started talking about like hardcore and punk and music. And he had a, um, he has capsule records and he put out like the first grade record. And I was like, you know, wait, wait grade grade. Yeah. Oh shit. Is that capsule records? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I never made that connection. <laughs> That's so yeah. wild. Holy. I know. I was like, I don't, it was awesome. I, I never made that connection. Talk about a true punk wrestling connection. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, and, and a Southern Ontario connection too. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, that's band great that I don't think ever gets the, the credit they deserve. They invented Screamo. Screamo. I was obsessed with Screamo. No, it meant so much to me, you know, it was like so deep. Yeah. I wore belts around my skirts and had like the fucking, to- like, you know, black bob haircut and drove a Vespa. And it just meant so much to me. <laughs> Very. Well, in the screamo you're describing, like it, it's talking about a genre that bears very little resemblance to its its former self, right? Like it, it just became a character of itself after right. some point, you know, like. It, yeah. It, well, because I feel like the, at that point, social media was starting. Yeah, definitely. And so people started putting out. The last one I, like the last time I was on that kind of social media was like, there was a thing called Makeout Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, definitely. Gibby from Panic Ranch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And at the time, I was going to a lot of soul, like Northern Soul Clubs here in LA as well. So that kind of, there was like a little bit of a crossover with like, you know, the punk and the, and, and like the DJ soul. night kind of crowd. Thing. Yeah. 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 It, um, it's funny because it, it, it hasn't come up before, but punk really invents social media. Yeah. Well, like you think about, like makeup club that predates like Friendster and MySpace yeah. and, and and Facebook and and all that stuff. Like it really starts there. Did you get into Live Journal as well? I, I didn't. My my wife Lauren was super into Live Journal. Me too. Yeah, like it, I had one, but I just never really took to it. Yeah. But it it totally right again. Like it's totally proto social media that's happening there. Pre-blogging, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like pre-blogging. And, and also, like, it seemed like a lot of people, a lot of friendship happened in the comments. Like, a lot of communication. Oh, my God. I have friends to this day that are actually, the reason I found out of those podcasts is our, so we have Exactly Right, that's our podcast network mm-hmm. that Karen and I started. And our social media manager, Aaron uh, Brown, told who I met on Live Journal. Like, we became real-life friends from Live Journal. And she was from Orange County and punk as well. And she was like, it was so weird. So the day I reached out to your brother, that morning she had um, talked about this podcast and I was like, that's rad. And then um, then I told Vince about it and he was like, fucking know him. I was like, that's crazy. And then we were on our way to our my friend, Julia Vickerman's to get uh, to have a puppy play date because I just got a puppy. Yeah. She's like, dog and her boyfriend is tom sharpling oh shit and he was like have you listened to this and i was like this is fucking crazy <laughs> this is fate you know and then i binged the podcast and i was like this is i have to be on this this was so cool oh, that's so weird like in one fucking yeah. day well you know it's it's kind of the thesis of this podcast like you look at anyone that's doing anything interesting in pop culture like a lot of the times it connects back to this, yeah. you know, like it's, it's always comes back to punk, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's weird. But anyway, I want to get back to that posture thing you brought up. What is it about hardcore kids posture? Is it like a self-confident confidence thing mixed with complete self-defeat? <laughs> like, is that <laughs> what it is? It's something of like, it's, it's, a, it's a stance you get from standing around shows <laughs> through your like twenties. 
So your posture gets fucked up because you're just kind of hunched over trying to look, you know, trying to hang out and look cool. And then also for, I feel like for the straight edge guys, because Vince was straight edge, it's also like, you can't rely on a beer to like drink your beer. You have to just kind of stand there. Yep. There's, and it's just this kind of like brooding, like brooding, trying to make yourself look uh, like you're supposed to be there because you don't want anyone to call you out and be like, who are you fucking poser? So there's, I don't know. There's just this stance that I find, I just love, I love it. And I fucking recognize it immediately. At him. Well, I'm not going to lie. At first I felt a little slighted, but now, I yeah. get it. you know, it's definitely something. Yeah, I like kind of trying to look badass so you don't get yeah. beat up if you don't know. And like, you know, how I, like, especially I feel like in straight edge hardcore, there was like a big fucking like kind of jockey. Who the fuck are you? We're in this crew. You're in that crew. And so I think it's, there's this posture of like, look like you belong here. Yep. No, that, that makes sense. You know, and it's funny you bring up that fear of violence because there was, you know, like you really did. Oh my God. Yeah. They beat people up. They beat people up. People were getting beaten up for nothing. Nothing. I remember when I was a kid, like when I was, you know, 13 and hanging out with these fucking punks, you know, they were best friends and it was one of their birthdays. And of course the girls, you know, we were like best friends. We link arms, we would be there for each other. And it was one of their birthdays. And so like, okay, don't tell, they got there early. We're going to beat the shit out of Mark because it's his birthday. And when we drop a cigarette, that's the cue to beat each other up. And they did it. And my friend and I just walked the fuck away. It was, they just, and it was like, the guy was like, thanks. Like they beat each other up for their birth. That's, I feel like by your face, that must be an orange county. I, I, I think there probably are elements of that like everywhere you know there's probably like scenes like that but you know i just uh, yeah yeah i just i kind of benefited from not being involved but when you brought up you know uh suburbia yeah. and how relatable that was you know have you ever seen decline of western civilization part three uh i don't think I, yeah no is that which no, one was well the third one's the weird one she shot in the 90s oh no it's 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 really cool but i guess that she was working on a film with the Weinstein brothers and it was uh, oh, wow. like, yeah, just a soul crushing experience. So Ugh. she went down to Melrose and just saw these punks walking down the street, like a bunch of young punk kids. And was just like, where are you guys going? And they're like, Oh, we're going to a show. And she just tagged along yeah, and, and ended up making this whole documentary about this group of punk kids and the scene and the music and, and all this wow. kind of stuff. It's, it's amazing. It's really, yeah. Real heavy though. It's it's really harrowing. Like by the time the film's over, you know, four of the characters aren't even they don't even make it. Fuck. And um it yeah. ju- it just seems very much uh kind of kind of similar to the scene that you're describing that you kinda kinda fall in with, like the same sort of groups group of kids. Yeah. Well Canadian people aren't gonna beat each other up. You guys aren't all about that. So well, I'm sure there's you know, I'm sure there definitely was stuff yeah. like that that happened in Canada, but you know, it, it once again it, it no one's going to pull a gun. And, and yeah. Like, you know, that's right. a, I think that's a big difference here, but there's violence. I definitely saw a fight between two dudes and one of them pulled a fucking hammer out. Like, yikes. And used it. It was, it was weird. There was another girl who beat up this other girl for maybe dating or like, it, it was not, I'm glad I got out of it. I'm glad I was, I, I still marvel at 14 year old me was able to quit meth by herself. Like yeah. there's, it's very much of a like, you know, there by the grace of God. Like, there's no rhyme or reason that I'm not more fucked up than I am, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, there's been multiple people that have been on this show um, that kind of describe, 
you know, similar situations to, to what you're describing. And it may be, you know, maybe it's because people are younger and young people are more resilient or something like that because the trauma people are going through is just, it's just so immense, you know, like it would, it would crush an adult, like the the stuff that some people have to go through in this in this music scene yeah and it's funny though because then when my friends started doing like coke in their 20s i was like fuck no (laughs) i already did that i don't you know so maybe it saved me in some ways and i only burnt a few brain cells (laughs) that i was able to re re up is that how it works i don't know Uh, yeah yeah Um, i I was just gonna say like it's the other thing around this dj culture is it's it's kind of perfectly time for everyone to start breaking their their edge yeah you know like in toronto and i probably la too i I don't know but like everyone was yeah everyone's starting to to drink you know for the first time and and there's like this it's perfectly time for the cocaine resurgence (laughs) so a lot of people a lot of these kids are getting fucked up yeah well i did have a phase in high school that i i went started going to raves and like mid nineties. <laughs> that was a whole, and that was so weird too, because there was this guy named Sean in the punk scene who was this like really cool dude. And then I ran in, he became a DJ at, a, at raves and we like crossed paths. And I was like, he, you know, he was a little older and I was like, you're that guy that I was like scared to talk to. And then we started dating. Cause it was like, what I found a punk guy in the scene. What the fuck? <laughs> Um, well, it's it's yeah. funny because in England, this is where it comes out of. Like, it yeah. all comes oh my out of the god, twenty four hour party people! That shit is so amazing. One of my favorite movies of oh, all time. It's so beautiful. It's the only movie I've seen and then left the theater and paid to see again right oh, away. Oh wow! Yeah, we watch that like every year. I think though, my favorite scene of any punk like show or punk thing is in Up in Smoke when uh Cheech and Chong when they go have to have to play the battle of the bands and they make up a punk band and do you know what I'm talking about you're sticking in my eye a classic yes, Vince and, yeah. and I joked about on our having our first dance at our wedding to be uh it's an earache my eye or yeah oh yeah you're right yeah earache earache my eye. we joke about what if that's our first dance at our wedding but we did the trogs instead <laughs> well, well, probably probably a better choice in retrospect. But weirdly, that's actually like one of the first yeah. punk songs. Is it really? Yeah, like it predates the movie by a good few years. And like when you hear it, wow, I did not know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, man, these guys, these guys had it figured out before everyone. It's like the Beastie Boys when you're like, I love the Beastie Boys, and then suddenly they're playing. Um... What's the punk song? Uh, like Heart Attack Man or something? Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. I like one more of this, yeah. please. Have you ever heard the Village People's punk record? No. <laughs> they they did a comeback record in like, I think it's like 79 uh-huh. called, called Renaissance. And on that record, they have a song, like a new romantic song called Big Mac. Um, okay. And then they have this song called Food Fight. That's just like this total ripping punk song. Wow. It, it sounds like the Dickies. You know? I love that. It's got like keyboards in it and it's it's got everything. That's why when someone's like, oh, like, you know, that band's a poser. Like some of the best music's made by posers. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. It's called experimenting. Fucking try it sometimes. Absolutely. Life, you know? Goddamn right. You know? I love that. That's so funny. Um, did you read Hollywood Park? No. By Mikel, Mikel Gillette. He's like the, he's the lead singer for the Airborne Toxic event. No, no, I haven't read it. Oh, you gotta read it. It's aside from the fact that he was like born into a cult that he that his family escaped from, he got into punk and he and the whole book is about his like youth 
learning about it and, and getting into it. And it, it reminds me a lot of, I identified with a lot of it, but it's a fucking beautiful book. And if you listen to the audiobook, there's a lot of good music in it too that he like scores. Um, but it's, yeah, the like kind of, um, you know, having no supervision and having your cool neighbor play punk for you for the first time and being, you know, it matching your angst. And um, it's really cool. Check that out. I bet he'd be on. He's so cool. No, I got to read that. You know, like, I keep, it, you know, that's why I do the show, right? Like, it keeps coming back to like, why are so many cool people drawn to yeah. this? You know, like it's it's wave after wave of interesting people and the music changes, but there's always just these fascinating parties involved. Yeah, in that you would never get it. Like, Bill, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to Bill Hader, but I was very much like, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it was, and it's so cool. Yeah, he was the one that really, he, he shocked me too. You know, like when John Worcester reached out about him wanting to come on the show, it was like, really him? But then of course, once you start thinking about it, it makes complete sense. Like it makes complete sense that, that you're a punk rocker too, because like anyone that's doing something interesting would be looking around the pop culture at the time and saying, nah, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something more to this. Well, I was looking at like, you know, the, the, the people who have been on your podcast and their credits and it's all these like cool bands or really cool projects. And I'm like, what is mine going to be? It's just my favorite murder. And then it's like, well, no, Karen and I started this in the fucking my shitty Hollywood apartment and we had no plans for it. And we just wanted to do something cool. And we had no, you know, it was very much like a DIY. Let's just fucking do this. And we love talking about dark fucked up things and laughing about it. And, and it just, it felt this, it felt like putting out a zine of something I was passionate and interested in. And it, it had the, it had the same like chutzpah of that of the girl who was super into punk that I think it matched it. It's it's like how you can tell the people who live their lives that way and uh, and like how it's how it's led them to be the people they are. And so of course that makes sense off like across so many different personalities and careers that we've all gotten into. Um, it's exciting. It's so cool. Well, it very much feels to me like an extension of of zine culture you know like mm -hmm. like you're saying like people finding a topic they love and yeah. and researching the shit out of it and like being like here here's what i like it, it, there's a zine called murder kid me fun that <laughs> it, and I, I gotta send you scans of this thing because yes. it, it was a zine that was done i don't know much about the guy because there was never any autobiographical information in it but it was just be mm -hmm. like one murdery thing he'd be writing about each time and like newspaper clippings and things like that but it was so like cool and it really feels like obviously what you're doing is completely different there's so like so much personality in it and stuff like yeah. to be honest like most of my favorite stuff when you're talking about the mental health stuff and all the personal stuff in the beginning and then the murder yeah, stuff I, it's like you. i gotta i gotta dip because murders scare me a little Vince <laughs> <laughs> was like i can't like if we're gonna go to bed right after we watch something he's like i need a like we need to watch the episode of Seinfeld or yeah, something. Yeah, palate like, cleanser. Yeah. I definitely. And meanwhile, I'm falling asleep to like "I'll Be Gone in the Dark" to fucking Golden State Killer audiobooks. So I totally understand. I I, I think I like... have I do have a secret zine that I wrote really? when I was 16. Yeah, I don't think any copies exist anymore. I don't even have them, which I'm a little bummed about. I fucking hope not, though, because oh, 16 year old Georgia, she had feelings, and you know, and she was like deep. And like, I wrote about like delight. I really got, this is my raving days. 
got really into D-Light and also like Wu-Tang Clan and also Sublime. It was very, it was a very weird time for me. With maybe the um, Sublime, the exception of Sublime, this sounds like an incredible zine. D-Light and Wu-Tang? <laughs> I gotta read this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was, I was still also really into Ray Bradbury still, you know, yeah. like sci-fi and stuff or like fantasy. And I have actually met him he kind of, I kind of credit it. So we wrote a memoir called Stay Sexy, Don't Get yeah. Murdered. Karen and I had a joint memoir and I wrote about this in it, but um, uh, he kind of, I kind of credited him for like helping me get off drugs because all I wanted to do was sit at home and read his books, you know? And like also the people I hung out with, like didn't read. And I was like, what? It, didn't read books and didn't understand it. And it was like, oh, maybe I'll be alone. So I wrote him a letter when I was like 16 or 17 and gave it to him he he did a speaking engagement at the um at ucla and i gave him my letter i went up on stage and like handed it to him and then left and then i this is this is the little punk rock girl that was still in me went and got her nipple pierced to um celebrate <laughs> on melrose <laughs> and then two weeks later he sent me a care package with like a book and like wrote onward in it and i i still have that that was like a that's amazing I know, right? Like, it's one of the highlights of my life. That's awesome. That's cool to find out that he's actually, that he was cool, you know? like <sighs> So cool. You don't hear bad well, it reminds me, no, he was just an incredible person. And it reminds me, and so a couple of years ago, when we went to the Discord house, that, it reminds me, Ian Mackay, same fucking personality, was like, he greeted us and spent two hours with us showing us because I was really interested in this house because it's this like prefab like build it yourself you know post-war house so I'm really into that and he was like there's like a secret um, hiding compartment with like kids toys from the 50s in it and he showed us every letter he showed us every flyer he let us like gave us extras of everything and I was of course trying to talk him into doing a podcast um, <laughs> which he was not having and he was so generous and open and like so we obviously were both just like giddy little kids you know yeah. about this an idol and then we're also awesome took a photo with us on the front porch in his in his fucking position like he couldn't have been more um what's the word open yep. and like what's something i can't think of i guess giving i guess and like that like, like giving. Giving the, like, yeah. Yeah, of his time and of himself exactly we got in the car after and we're both just like quiet for a while Vince and I and then we were like what the fuck just happened yeah it was it was like monumental it, it was it was very validating it's funny because like it, it it's it's you know and this sounds like overstating it almost like I'm being humorous with it but it's like I think it's the equivalent of like for people that are religious when they go and meet yeah. their religious figure and they like yeah and like you know for them it's just touching their head but for us it's like you know spending time and getting to ask all these like nuanced questions you've been yeah over like it it is the equivalent of like this sort of like religious pilgrimage getting to go yeah. there and getting to spend the afternoon with them totally and it's like he did he knew how much it yeah. meant to us yeah and like we didn't have to say to him you meant so much to me as a kid and you I think he understands that if you're into that especially as a kid you were going through some shit mm -hmm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. it's like you needed that music and you needed the punk to like get you through what was a fucking hard time you know your parents didn't understand you or which they don't and um you're going through so many hormones and you just need an outlet and so he he like knew 
he knew who we were, you know, and he was very like, very generous with that. And I, I just think that it was so cool for that reason. I think he's like the most stable of all the, uh, you know, like all the yeah. icons, like he's the one you can go and he, yeah. like he, has the greatest sense of self i guess with it yeah he stayed in his neighborhood he never he's not yeah he keeps doing cool shit yeah yeah no he definitely is like i had the exact same experience where where i went over there and i was like and i went over there super cynical about the whole thing and then yeah like just like well how good could it be like you know how cool is this gonna be and uh end up hanging out and like you're saying like he was just like you're like wow and then and then it just starts starts coming out you're like well here's how i found out about your band here's the thing i want to know about you did (laughs) yeah well he had you know he had he cataloged every letter he's ever gotten from a fan he had a wall of photos like they send they'd send him like their school photo and be like i'm jamie and and i love you and he fucking kept them and saved them you know it's just like well there's this it's amazing there's this band from here called sloan do you know sloan Oh yeah, for they're sure. like they're like you know rock gods in Canada and and yeah. When Chris Murphy from Sloan was a kid, he went and and drove in a van from Halifax down to Washington D.C. and went to the Discord house, you know, and like yeah. wrote to Ian and it's like Vince has a story. He did that in high school. His dad they went on a trip to D.C. from like Detroit, and his dad took him there and like it's like what are you doing? Um, but Vince had written them a letter. He's, I don't know if he's going to be mad at me for telling this, but he had written a letter when they did like Lollapalooza. It was like, you're a sellout, blah, blah, blah. And which he very much regrets to this day, but he was like, Ian couldn't find it, thank God. And Vince was just like, thank fucking God. If he read that in front of me, I would die. That's amazing. But thankfully he didn't, he didn't but like, And this side- This is where we're going. I didn't mean to cut sorry. off. Sorry. No, no, you go. No, no, I, 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 cause I, I just feel like, uh, I think even he would have a sense of humor about that. Like, I think he understands like the place he has where he's also the, (laughs) takes a lot of shit too. Totally. I'm sure. Well, besides him, like there's the, always the token um, Keith Moore sighting here in my neighborhood. That's all. It's almost like good luck. And you're like, Hey, there's Keith Moore. He's just walking. He's just always walking in the neighborhood. And it's almost like slug bug kind of a thing with your friend. But um but he, yeah, he's. Yeah, there's, they're definitely. Uh, I, I'm glad. I feel very lucky that we have these people, and that's why. I, that's why I do the podcast. Like, you're legitimately the youngest person that's been on this podcast. In in a in, no, Chappelle Lacey was on recently, and he's. Pretty, yes, I saw that. But, but, he's way younger. But apart from uh, apart from yourself and Chappelle Lacey, like the average age is around sixty. But at the same time, I'm like. <laughs> I have the ability to ask all these icons like about these things. Yeah. Like, I, just, I feel that's crazy. Well, I might be the last generation who didn't have the internet with punk. So mm-hmm. maybe I feel like, of course that's great for me, but thankfully it changed discovery. It really does. Like you're saying, yes. like you relied on yes. organic stuff and it's now, yeah, it felt like a treasure you were mm-hmm. finding that no one else knew about. Mm-hmm. And it is like, it's it's special that way. Like when you go into a record store and you smell the Nog Champa and you don't know what to do and you see a cool record, like album cover and you're like, I'll fucking try this, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, it's the, special. the record store. I think the loss of the record store, mm-hmm. it's just, it, 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 was, it was more like, like you're saying, it's a community center. Like, well, it's a yeah. community center. Like it's like where you go and you you meet people and you see these records. Totally. And it's, see fun flyers for shows yeah. and- yeah. Totally. I really, uh, 
I don't know. I lament the loss of like the uh, the punk rock record stores now because it's just yeah. it's there's just not that curation and and obviously there's a lot of gatekeepering that can go on. At these absolutely, absolutely. I feel like maybe Vince and I will open one 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 day, but like he's gonna have to let me have some of my my nerdy. I got the like you know Tully Craft pop punk kind of. <laughs> Pink, uh, what are they called? Promise ring. Oh, I love like promise all the ring. Little, yeah, oh. so good. Yeah, the, the, the uh, I think as I, I went into your delight section in this record store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be that'll be present and accounted for. That for would be. Sure. Uh, they were they're actually like one of those bands that I know they've got to be deep punk heads. You like you just see them, you're like someone was a punk in that band. Definitely, definitely, and into some really good music, like old school, fucking great music yeah yeah no definitely it's a it's it's you know when when you uh met karen were you are you like a mr show fan were you a mr show fan yeah i like so like when i was like 20 um a friend of mine doug jones who like a shout out to all because he's just like was the comedy gatekeeper and like great music too he had like um taped it off of the TV (laughs) and so played me his cassettes. He's like, you have to watch Mr. Show. I was like, all right, whatever. And then of course we, I was obsessed and we watched it over and over and quoted it constantly. And then he knew about um, this club Largo here, which is now like this beautiful comedy club. But, But back then it was just like in an Italian, it was an Italian restaurant that like let them do shows whenever they wanted to. So then, so I, he took me to that and it was like all the Mr. Show people just doing these, this tiny club you could like, if you bought dinner and sat down at one of the Italian little tables, cocktail tables, like in a fucking movie you could watch, but we didn't have any money. So the bouncer would just like let us stand at the back wall and we had like a flask and we would just watch like everyone you can fucking think of like, Bob Odenkirk and Karen Gilgareth and fucking Nick Schwartzen and Sarah Silver, like all these amazing comedians do their thing. And then, then they all, you know, um, so I was a, yeah, I was a big fan. And so when I, you know, 10 years later, no, like 15 years later, met her at a party. Some of my, uh, mine and Vince's comedy friends were friends with her and like writing on shows with her. And I, she came in and I was like, fuck, don't freak out. Don't freak out. (laughs) I don't like to tell her this because I don't want to make it awkward she knows <laughs> and so we just became like organic friends because we just really got along i would freak and out then, mr show's like the yeah. best like i think that's like oh my god like you're saying being the last generation without the internet i think that's like one of the last things that was really like you got to watch this tape and you and you have to find it if you were going to watch it live on tv you have to be like i come home from these fucking clubs these like soul clubs and be it's 12 in the morning or two in the morning and like mr show is on and like real sex is on <laughs> and like strangers with candy is on yes. but you're not ever going there's no reruns and there's no fucking taping anything you know recording anything you have to be up at two in the morning to watch them so it felt the same like special and like exciting like a treasure yeah feel, and it also like uh i don't know there's something about that that you know, like David Cross has been on here too. There's something like really punk about that approach to things too. Totally, totally. I, you find there's so many people that got discovered out of that scene too, like Jack Black, <laughs> and like there's just like Sarah. Oh my so, God. Like, there's so many people like in that crowd. Like it's just yeah. When you watch it now, you're like, oh, that person's a famous fucking actor. Yeah. This is Tom Kenny. He's the fucking voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Like maybe the richest person in the world. Probably it's. 
Yeah, crazy. That it's weird to think about how wealthy the people that are involved in those cartoons <laughs> wind up being. Dude, it's, oh my god, that's the job to get into is voiceover. It's I think it's a really hard job yeah, to get, yeah. but it's cushy. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, there's a, apparently though it's like one of those jobs that when you make it, you make it. But when uh, we met, my, I remember when my brother and I were little kids, we met the guy who did the voice of Wolverine in the X-Men oh. cartoon. Huge. He was bitter. He was a, oh, he no. was bitter than Wolverine. Because he was pigeonholed probably. That's like his job now. I think he was like, I, I make way more money kids when I do one of these commercials than when I do one of these, when I do Wolverine's voice. I'll tell you that much. Oh, poor guy. Not anymore. That's it. He, Karen and I do a voice for a cartoon now. Like a, it's called um, uh, Craig of the Creek. Oh, you actually, yeah, maybe it. your kids watch, we watch it. Craig yeah. of the Creek. Absolutely. Such a beautiful it's show. A great like show. so much heart. Yeah. And they like wrote us these characters. We're the witches of the creek. They wrote oh, us these yeah. characters. Oh, that's wild. I didn't mean Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like they were fans of the show. And it, it's like the, one of the funnest unexpected like so many unexpected things have come out of this podcast and that is definitely a big one of like i'm a character in a fucking cartoon what that is my life it's very cool well it's like that if you build it type thing like because you build it yeah. it's like all organic it's it's the uh very i don't know that's the coolest thing about it i think the fact that it's like carving your own lane and and taking this thing and and t- using it to your own advantage you know Definitely. And then not letting go because there's so many, of course, of the like business people who and like industry people who want to come in and and see the potential short term potential and want to take it and do whatever they want with. But luckily, I have Karen and she and I are both very we're control freaks, but we also know that you don't get a lot of chances like this. And so you better fucking hold up. No one's going to care about it as much as you do. I'm mm-hmm. sure in the same way, having your band and like the talk of being on a bigger label and being like, well, they're not going to give a fuck about us. And like, we're a drop in the bucket to them, but this is our lives. So you have to hold on to it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that want to own, well, I guess the thing you take from punk, like there's a lot of people that want to own what you do Yeah, and, and you don't necessarily need that you don't, I know. I've learned a lot from Karen about, cause she's been in the industry so much longer than I have about, you know, not, not I think I'm a little, I was a little naive. Like not everyone has your best interests at heart mm-hmm. and not everyone loves a thing because they love the thing. It's because they love money yes. <laughs> and control. <laughs> and, you know, I think as, especially as women and so many, it, it's just, it's a rare thing for two women to be like, fuck you. You don't get to touch this. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think now we have some power and it, it feels even better because of that. Well, like, was that kind of the impetus to build your own network so you could just have that kind of, you know, complete control? Like, we were, we were kind of offered it. it. Like, it wasn't even our idea. It was like this, you know, they want to have us on there. This, they want to have us, this company wants us to work with them. And one of the offers, because we had a few, was we'll give you your own network. But I don't think they realized how, they think they just thought they'd put podcasts on our network and do what they want. But unfortunately for them, we're Karen and Georgia and we're like, no, this is our baby. We're not going to like put it, put our name on something that we don't completely have control of and support. So we've been able to build it by, by being in, I mean, it's been a lot of work by being involved in every single facet of the company. And that, and we're so proud of what we've done and i think have proven that we can do it ourselves we can do it ourselves yeah and, and build your own fan base and build your own oh my god yeah thing 
um the fan base is the fucking key to all of it it's i mean it's like your wife it's like the raddest women women we mostly women no offense sorry um that like when you go if you go to our shows it's night like we have to close what turn one of the men's rooms into a women's room because otherwise there's a like we can't start the show yeah. um but it's just these badass diy fucking you know independent women who support us and they're like fierce and they they fight for what's right and they support us so much and it, it feels very like like riot girly you know ladies to the front and you know we can only we what is it when they're yeah um when you lift them up they you they pull you up too the rising tide that. raises all ships i don't know thank you is that it is that you're it? a poet that's, yeah that's one of them I, for I sure. like, i'm like i'm just going at whatever uh cliche <laughs> I can think right. Of right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, yeah on. it's it's a fucking delight yeah delight it's a delight well it's it's you know because it's it's like you're saying like you're it's like the zines it's like the riot girl thing where like you can shape the what you want your fan base to be you know and i i think yeah. that's the the great thing about the medium of podcasts is like oh my God, there's so amazing. many out there if people don't like what you're doing it's like oh let's find someone else like totally and it's like any fucking thing you're interested in you'll find a podcast about it yeah. and they're your best friends and everyone's like i always feel like you guys are my best friends but i don't know you know it's like no we're your best friends we know you you know us it's such a more intimate space than in any other kind of, and like, I guess the only other one is like bands, you know, or like music. Bands, there's a lot more edifice because it's it's so performative. Like That's true. I think, I think a personal zine is the closest thing I could think to it. Like prior to this thing yeah. where like, where you're like sitting, putting pen to paper, being like, here's my raw emotions. Like I'm way, uh, like the presentation of who I am on stage with fucked up is yeah. very different than who oh. i am here oh but isn't it fun isn't it so much fun i find it i wish i had a partner because i feel like i feel like i'm very mm. lonely and i like i envy you know yourselves i got my friends john and way who do a wrestling podcast as well like, mm -hmm. I, like and, oh i love way yeah yeah and like and like uh you know tom and john at, at the best show like you look at these yeah. partners and you have like a sounding board like uh, oh my god i would never have i would never have done it without a partner it's just like yeah it's it's great it wouldn't have happened i'm not the i'm not the like i'm not as confident on my own to like do something like that on my own i have to have someone that i either have to like i either if i don't do it i'll be letting them down so or i'll be the fuck up so don't <laughs> you can't let that person down you have to do your job it, and it is yeah it is like a it's a marriage yep. and it's yeah yeah no i think that and i think that's the best way to have it like a, a podcast podcast partnership is like like you're yeah. saying like if you're not there's some days where i'm just like well i guess i don't have to edit yeah you have no one to answer to no there's just i mean that's procrastination and i have that hardcore yeah i'm a terrible boss because i do not enforce any of the deadlines <laughs> and stuff like that me neither i'm like you should take time off we've been working too hard today <laughs> yeah. like no no that's your job you should be doing it yeah, yeah exactly it's a uh I don't know. It's very different time. This has been incredible. Anytime you want to come back on here and talk about punk rock, please know you're always welcome. Thank you. That was so fun. I thought I was so nervous that I'd come off as a mall punk. Oh, please. <laughs> I think that my, my motto around here is like everybody's somebody's poser. Like Ooh. no one is ever going to be punk enough. You know, like I had, yeah. I have this guy who comes on here. This guy, he's a friend of mine. He's a pro wrestler. This guy, Robbie Brookside. 
He saw the mm-hmm. clash when he was 12 years old. So saw, saw the bad brains, put on a pirate radio show and uh, like did all this stuff, like put on it shows. And anyway, I went to Liverpool and like some guy came up to me at the show and he's like, I saw you had the guy Robbie Brooks on your show. And I'm like, yeah, it was like incredible. He's like, I don't know. I was, I was, I was around before him. <laughs> no, like, so. Oh my God. Well, there was a time when Henry Rollins was a poser to everyone. Exactly. So. Like everyone's like somebody's poser. All... Exactly. <laughs> like no one's ever going to be punk enough for anybody. So no, that's so true. I love that. It, it's definitely the uh, change of definition. I was going to ask though, what is like, what is the punk murder that you would want to do on the podcast? Ooh, okay. So it's so funny. I almost wore a night flight shirt and that's, you know, the night flight. Oh yeah. So, um, okay. Oh, Peter Ivers. Do you know about Peter Ivers? He was the original host of night when night flight was just like a TV program. I think it was on cable access that just played, um, videos. It was, it was like a really cool. And it was during like, um, and so there were like, it was really, he was like kind of the ambassador of the new wave like punk scene in LA okay and and he got he his he he got um he got bludgeoned to death in his apartment downtown and it's still a cold case they have no idea who did it and there's some shady fucking characters around the story it's like a and then no one talks about it it's it's like I I was gonna do it as a story for the podcast but there's not enough information it's just like it'd be like a 10 minute story because there's just really not a a lot of info that's a mini episode yeah exactly so that's Peter Ivers and he has albums out that you can like some weird experimental like new wavy albums he plays saxophone is he the guy that would play Sax? yeah 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 wow yeah. we bought some albums it's like not my style but it's he seemed like a really he yeah he's like an ambassador you know almost like a Robbie bingenheimer type but for that scene wow that, that's amazing well yeah well anytime you want to come back on here and deep dive into that case georgia you are welcome <laughs> to thank you jamie this was this was so fun i'm i'm thrilled Thank you, Georgia, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Georgia will be back for a part two at some point in the future. Um, because there's a lot more to st- discuss, you know, a lot more to get to. Uh, that is it. Check out her podcast, My Favorite Murder. I'm sure you probably do. But if you don't um, and you're a fan of true crime, definitely. If you're if you're not, you can be like me and you can listen to the first little chunk where they don't talk about the murder stuff and then uh, just, just duck out, you know. Just, <laughs> that's what I have to do. All right. Speaking of have to do, I have to tell you about what's coming up on the next episode of this show. On the next episode of this show, it's it's a it's another doozy. You know, we're we're not we're not letting up the the gas on this thing. We gave you one go go, but that's not enough because really the thing I'm beginning to realize is that the go go's are kind of like a very early example of a punk rock supergroup, and this will become very clear next week. When Kathy Valentine comes to the show, that is right. Uh, one of Austin's first punk rockers, and of course, uh, a member of the legendary, the legendary Go Go's. It's an incredible conversation. She has a, a fantastic new book uh, and a genius songwriter. This band, Go Go's, they had so many people that could just write these unbelievable songs. Anyway, we talk about all this next week. I'm very excited for you to hear this one. Uh, that's it. Uh, remember as always black lives matter the lives of indigenous people matter we need to protect trans kids and we need to help trans people protect themselves 
uh, go out, get informed, learn, hear from people's experiences and stories, donate your time. If you're able to donate money to causes that are important and just, yeah, support people. These aren't political issues. These are just like human issues. You know, people just deserve to, 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 to be free and to have, you know, it's, it sounds very cliche when you say it like that, but it, it's true. Um, and, and most importantly, we just need to smash fascism and just not let that shit come back. Um, because fuck. Oh, anyway, uh, sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. So just sign that card, you know, donate blood if you can too. There's blood shortages and stuff. So, uh, if you're able to donate blood, please do. Um, uh, what else? What else? Uh, make something creative for yourself. Do, do make, make a drawing, you know, make, make a podcast, make, start a band, do it. See what happens. It might help your mental health. And on that note, try meditating. I'm, I'm trying it still and I'm keeping up with it. And, uh, I find it's really helping me. Definitely. Uh, and then, uh, go easy on yourself, you know, try and soften that inner voice that comes up in meditation a lot. And I think we all, uh, you know, our inner critic can be, uh, a real mind fuck and, and definitely make things harder for the people around us too. And, uh, what else do I say? I think that's, I think that's about it. These are no rules. I'm not telling you how to live your life, you know, just do it, do what you're going to do. But these are things that I, I tell myself, you know, these are things I need to tell myself because these things, I think these things are all important. All right. That's it. I dread doing these intros and extras and then I do them and I just can't stop recording at the end of it. So that's it. See you next episode. And now I remember what I forgot to say. Next weekend on the show, I'm going to do like a a three episode weekend and it's going to be like a Detroit punk weekend. So anyway, if, if you stuck around to the very end, you get that little, uh, teaser. This is like that after credits stuff that, that those superhero movies do. <laughs> Big reveals. I'm revealing stuff that's coming down the line, but it, it is awesome. That Detroit weekend, I'm super stoked for you here. Oh, keep going from strength to strength. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>